Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Romance at a Glance, Authors at a Glance. I'm your host, Bridget, and with me is my co-host, Shani. Hi, Shani. Hi, Bridget. I'm happy to be here, getting back in the swing of things. You've been holding it down. Now I'm ready to talk to some authors. Ready. Yes. I was really excited today. We had Delta James on the show. She's a USA Today bestselling author of erotic paranormal romance, mm, which you guys know we love. And we want to say a special quick thank you to uh, one of our previous authors, Golden Angel, for introducing us. Woo-woo. What a delight this interview was. Did I become best friends with her? Because it felt like I did. Absolutely. Parasocial thing. It's a real thing. And now we're friends. We, we are. I mean, she did invite us to her home. And we will so. be going. We will be going. Delta, <laughs> prepare yourself for a uh, nice weekend visit from Shawnee and Bridget. I'm already, I already planned it in my head. I was like, okay, I'm going to call Bridget. We're going to be, I'm going to be like, okay, Bridget, get a babysitter for her kids for like three yeah. solid days. I'm going to fly to you. Then we're going to rent a car. Then we're going to drive to her house. We're going to hang out there two days. I feel like committed. you should just... I feel like you should fly to Virginia. It's really far from my house to her house. It's probably eight or 10 hours. But I want a road trip. <laughs> oh, we can road trip if you want to. I just I wanted you to know that it's not close just because you're flying most of the way across the country. Chicago is still quite a distance. I uh, just did that trip and it was it was quite long. Um, yeah, we could totes road trip. We could totes road trip. That'd be so fun. I love it. Absolutely. Anyways, you guys, this is a great episode for um, building a community of readers as an author. Like if you want, and also just like as a reader, knowing that authors appreciate you and how they think about you. Um, I totally became a Delta James fan after this because I love when I feel like I'm sort of a part of the community and the team with an author. Like they respect my opinion. They want to hear what I have to say. Um, and she had some really amazing things to say about how her process works, how she asks her readers what they want to hear and what they want to read about. And then she changes her plans if if they come up with a good idea. She's like, actually, that sounds awesome. I should do that. Um, so this is just, she's so fun. Such a free-flowing interview. She's so entertaining. I hope to stay at her home and yes. run into her at conventions and- And play with her dogs. And, uh, and be her, and be her one day because she yes. also is an author who started at 60 writing so uh for anyone who's like oh i don't know if i can start i feel like i'm too old no you can be a successful author and romance author at any age so shawnee i feel like this might be our 60 year old uh us yes! uh, having a good time shooting the shit you know when you were a kid and you like saw, saw somebody who was an adult and you were like i want to be like you i want yeah. like i want to grab to be like you and you're like and now yeah. some, you're an adult and you've kind of curated what what is the things you wanted. Yeah. So it's, it's nice to see like another, you're like, oh, I can also, oh, yes. And you can change who you are and you can pivot if you want. You can and pivot. You can ex- explore new things and it's great. I love yes. it. Love it so much. Yes. Everybody. Also, I want to let you know, like, we just dove right the fuck in. So yes, without further ado, let's get this shit popping, Shawnee. Romance at a glance. Uh-huh. Romance. At a glance. What you say now? Oh, man. At a glance. Go ahead, girl. It's romance. And we're super excited to have you on the podcast. I'm glad it all worked out. So we'll you listen to the Golden Angel episode, I think. So it's about it's kind of the same idea. We don't ask the same questions every time. We kind of tailor it to you and just like whatever comes up as we're chatting. And yeah, that'll be that. That's the unlike a lot of authors, um, you'll find I'm not shy and I generally just have a really good time with these kind of things. So awesome. We've had a couple authors who are like, yeah, we don't know if we want to talk to you guys. Like, <laughs> <we're> like, 
Uh? I just, but then, but then I'm, I'm a person who enjoys going to author, writer, you know, reader, writer conferences and interacting with readers. So, you know, okay. it's not like I sit there and think, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. It's like, yes, I think my crack cocaine. <laughs> when I get out of it, I'm just sort of like, it's, I mean, and also like we, this is fun for us. We're, we're not out here for, for exactly. gotcha moments of whatever. And like, it's sometimes like whatever you're writing, it's, it's absurd and lovely and whatever. So like, let's talk about it and let's get weird. I feel like you can't really talk about this, like romance reading without having fun with it. Like it's, you know. <laughs> somebody, somebody said something to me at one time about, you know, romance writing. And I said, look, at the end of the day, what I do is entertain people. Yes. I, I'm not out to write the great American novel. I'm here <laughs> to entertain people. I'm here to get them away from their regular lives and and just enjoy themselves. Find a place for themselves where, you know, truth always wins out and the guy's always a good guy. You know, all yeah. of that. I entertain yeah. people. That's what I do for a living. And we so, appreciate you. We appreciate you. <laughs> that's, that's honestly like what our impetus was for this podcast. Like we both love reading romance and just reading in general. But also I was like, I just want people to have a good time. Like I want people to come on the podcast who are like being interviewed and have a good time. But for the listeners, like I want them to feel like they're just hanging out with us and we could be in the same room with them having some cocktails. And we're just like shooting the shit about our favorite romance novels and about sex and about our lives and exactly. feel just, just in, be entertained. Mm -hmm. So that's always our best compliment when someone's like, that was so fun. I laughed so hard out loud. I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. When I get that from people about readers, oh my God, you know, the book was really intense and then you made me laugh so hard I almost peed, you know. It's like <laughs> I have done my job. Yeah. You know, I and I tell people, you know, people say, Oh, writing is hard. Yeah, I'm not gonna say writing isn't hard work. It is. But the fact of the matter is, it's fun. I have a really good job. I routinely crack myself up, you know, and I just have a really good time. And I'm a pantser, so I don't always know what's going to happen in a novel. I kind of know what's going to happen in a novel, really. And so sometimes novels just sort of take a left turn on me, and I'm sort of like going, um, um, and people, um, we were going this <laughs> like, oh, No, we're not going that way. We're on this way. The series I'm on, I, I, I make what I call a Bible that it has the titles of the thing and the hero and the heroine and just little blips and notes. So that's what I worked off of, but it also helps me keep everything straight. Hmm. I planned out this third novel and blah, 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 blah. And I'm writing the second novel and the, the hero from the third novel goes, yeah, I, I don't want her. I want the girl that owns the B&B. &B. And I'm like, no, no, she's a minor character. We need to, he's like, yeah, no, I want the girl that owns the B&B. &B. And I'm like... <laughs> You got, <laughs> you got to, you got to go. You got to, can't find it. So I changed that. You know, go back through and you know make that work. And then other stuff just came up, and I'm like, this is not where this was supposed to go. And they're like, yeah, well, such is life. <laughs> like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. And so people say, what's the not? What's the next novel going to be about? Well, I, I think it's going to be about this, <laughs> but I won't swear to that. Yeah. Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> so one thing I thought was insane when I was reading through your website is how many books you've published. And I assume that you had been writing for like 10 plus years because of how many books you have, nope. but you only published in 2018. Is that right? 2019. That is correct. I started my first novel 
in uh, November of 2017, and or maybe late October. And it came about because I was sitting in my little house in North Carolina, and I was wondering what had happened to the girl whose motto had always been fortune favors the bold. And somehow I lost her a long way. And I thought, I want her back. And I want to quit living and making decisions based in fear instead of saying, well, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? I wanted to go back to going, well, what if this happens? You know, what if that happens? Um, I, I have a story I tell about when I was showing at my first world championship horse show, I was getting ready to go into the ring and run the pattern. And I was, I was like 13 and I was having a meltdown. I mean, it's just literally, well, what if I forget the pattern or what if my horse bucks me off or what if this, what if that, my poor father standing there trying to calm me down and my trainer's just standing there and he's not saying a word. And finally, when I shut up for a moment, he goes, you don't, we don't do that. You just go in there and ride the same pattern on the same horse that you've ridden to get to this point. So we do that instead. <laughs> and my dad said, he said that you could literally just see all the all the anxiousness, all the agitation, everything just, just slide off of me. And so I rode up to get ready to go in the ring. And the guy who was handling the gate was somebody I, I knew. And or he was a gate handler who had led me into rings a lot. And he looked up at me, he said, Well, good luck. And I turned and looked at him and I said, Luck ain't got nothing to do with it. And I walked in <laughs> and I won my first world championship. You know, but and that was sort of the feeling I hold had on, hold on, hold on. We're not gonna just breeze past <laughs> a world championship. And that's what we're not gonna do on this podcast. We're not just gonna breeze past it. That's incredible. How old were I, you? Um, I think I couldn't drive a car, so I had to be like maybe 14, maybe 15. Whoa, wow. that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, I was I was very lucky. I had a talented horse. I had parents who supported me and a trainer who believed in me. And you uh, you must have ridden horses from like like you grew up near horses and had horses? No, my my parent people always said, "Oh, your your parents must have been country folk." No, my parents were solidly middle-class city people. When people ask me my favorite book, they expect me to name a romance writer. Well, one, I'm not going to do that. Too many friends who write romance books. I'm not going to name one person's over another. Not going there. Um, and two, when I really thought about that question, because I didn't have a good answer when people would ask me that. And I decided to you know what my favorite book truly is, is um, Misty of Chinookatique, which is a children's book written by Marguerite Henry. And deals with the wild ponies um, in, in Chickatig and Axatig Island in the Outer Banks. And the reason I say that is because my mom taught me to read when I was three using that book. And when we when when I was finished, I had a love of reading, a love of horses, and a love of wild things. And I've never lost that. So mm. that's my favorite book. And I think to be a, an author, you really have to be a reader. You have to love, you have to love the written word. Uh, I grew up loving horses and I got to ride horses and all this. And when I was 12, the opportunity came around for me to buy a horse and my parents said, go for it. And I did. That's awesome. And the, the rest is kind of history. So um, I have a tendency to buy rebels and rogues and turn them into champions. My That's first horse awesome. killed a man. My second horse, I mean, it, it's <laughs> on and on. It's just, it's just like never ending a litany of, horses that nobody believed in and then I turned around and made them champions you know 
And mainly I did that. Yes, I'm a good rider and all that, but mainly because I love the horses and that got through to them. Mm -hmm. Um, My one trainer used to say, somebody said something about, I had this huge, he was this enormous horse and his nickname was Tank because he was built like one. (laughs) And and somebody said, well, what's he like? And Tara went, kind of like one of her basset hounds on steroids. (laughs) 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 But he was, he was very docile and very laid back. He had a goofy personality. And, and so she was right. He was kind of like one of the dogs. And I sort of treated him like one of my dogs. So, you know, um, and I have six basset hounds um, that live with me and, and sort of run my life. I have a senior girl that at 10 o'clock, she decides that I need to go to bed and she starts fussing at me. <laughs> and like, when I go to use their bathroom. She'll like trying to herd me into the bedroom instead of going back to my office. Mm. And it's, um, and then they sort of decide when they want to get up and they're sort of like, you need to wake up now. We need to go, you know, we want to get up now. There are things to do. We got things to do. Come on, mom, come on. And they get me up and then they all go to sleep. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a dog. We'll go back to sleep. We've done our job for the morning and they're going back to sleep, but they're fun to live with. They're goofy, silly dogs. Yeah. That's awesome. So yes, I have, I have several world championships in several different breeds to my name. At one time, the half Arabian I had was the number one amateur horse in the nation. Oh wow! He was wow. he was really quite spectacular. That's so cool. I mean, that makes sense now. Like looking at all your books, because you do have a lot of people who ride horses, and a lot of horses like sort of feature. <laughs> so that makes complete sense that, that you have sense. such like intimate knowledge about that friendship and the bond, and you know how important yeah, I, horses I are. I had an editor. I had an editor once go. That horses don't do that. And I'm like, um, yeah, they do. And she's like, no, you don't. You. And I'm like, I'm not going to argue this with you. I know <laughs> what I'm talking about. You can tell me about other things, but there are certain things I know a lot about, and horses happen to be one of them. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I would, I would argue. You said earlier, like you, you bought a horse that killed a man. I've read so much historical. I'm like, what horse hasn't killed a man? I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, most of them are very sweet and 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 are easy to get along with. This horse had just been backed into a corner by a drunk, and the guy went to beat on him. And the horse went, "Yeah, I don't think so." The horse said, not today. <laughs> Pretty much not. I don't think so, pal. The fun thing about that horse, though, was I was twelve years old, um, and I always maintain every horse ought to have his own twelve-year-old girl at least once in his life. Um, <laughs> but if you raised your voice to me, this horse would take you out. I mean, he would flat take you out. Um, somebody said to my dad, why do you worry about her riding along? My dad went, you ever tried to get near her when she's on that thing? And they, they're like, no. And he goes, yeah, you can't. <laughs> he won't let you get near her. And he yelled at me he, and I was on the ground and somebody raised their voice to me. He would pin his ears and charge. And he would charge after them. It was like, no, it's my 12 year old kid. I took me 12 years to get her and nobody's going to hurt her. That's so, awesome. That's my awesome, yeah. my niece is 10 and for Christmas, I'm going to say, well, like, we had to wait because we're in the Midwest, but we're, I'm going to yeah. take her horseback riding and she's flipping out. She's so excited about it. So. It is. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. Somebody once asked my dad, what do you think you spent on those horses over the years? My dad goes, I have no idea. I just figure it's cheaper than rehab. And he went on. That. And it was really because I was too busy to be involved with anything else. You know, I yeah. had school, I had horses and that's really all I had time for. Mm-hmm. And it was a great way to live. I mean, 
it, it taught me a lot of things. I mean, I learned a lot about horse. I learned a lot about life from being involved with horses, some of which had nothing at all to do with them, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. it was yeah. a lot of fun. Awesome. So when you decided to write, like, had you, I mean, obviously you said you're a reader your whole life, but like, had you thought, oh, I have a story I could write, but just had like no confidence or, or did you wake up one day and think like, oh, I'm missing this out of the genre. I wish it was there. I'm going to write it. Like, what was the spark? Well, for how it started was I had written a lot of articles on showing dogs and showing horses. Um, so I'd written a lot of nonfiction work for magazines and stuff. And then I just decided, I, I, I thought I want to write and, and I will be upfront with you. There were a lot of bad writers that I kept coming across. And I thought, you know, if they can make a living doing this, cause I stupidly thought every writer made their living doing that, which we all know isn't true, but I naively thought if they can make a living doing it, I can at least make enough money to pay for dog shows and some other things going on in my life. So I started writing and I wrote six books under another name uh, with a publisher. And that was not a good relationship. And when I started asking pointed questions about royalties, she got very angry with me and I thought, and we're done now. And so I changed my name. I changed my pen name and I went to a different publisher, which worked out very well for me. That was in they published my first book with them was in July of 2018. In April of 2019, I was able to walk away from my day job. Wow. And support myself completely. Wow. Hard. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it is. I got very lucky and I worked very hard. But I, part of it was, I, what I wasn't seeing, I was seeing a lot of 19-year-old virgins. Um, and when my publisher at one point said to me, you need to write kind of some 19-year-old virgins. And I said, James, I don't know how to tell you this, but A, it's been a long time since I was 19. And B, it's been an even longer time since I was a virgin. So (laughs) those those are kind of hazy memories. And he sort of laughed at me, but and then he just decided I could write whatever I wanted. But I wasn't seeing heroines that I wanted to be like. I saw a lot of weak heroines and who just gave over and did whatever and I thought, that's not me. That's not the women I want to aspire to be. I don't, I think there's a need for a stronger, sassier heroine. Mm-hmm. I, I was walk, talking to a, couple, a group of romance authors and they were talking about, yes, my heroine slapped his face. And I'm like, yeah, mine would have kicked him in the nuts, you know? Um, <laughs> girls are a little tougher that way. But the, one of the best compliments I ever had was the reader said to me, she said, you know, I, I look at other people's heroines and I sort of put them up on a pedestal, but I think I can never be that girl. I was never that girl. She said, your girls, I think, I want to go have brunch with them. Margaritas and nachos. I'm out <laughs> with them. That's the women I want to be. Yeah. And so that kind of became my sort of niche. And I stumbled into paranormal. This That's the running joke. I didn't read paranormal. I didn't particularly like paranormal. I wrote my first paranormal romance just to see if I could and it took off it absolutely took off and did stupid numbers and I was like well and my and my publisher was like and you need to write another one (laughs) (laughs) Uh let's get this going and so I did and that's and now I love paranormal and I love what I do and I it's just a lot of fun and I found that I can combine it with different things to come up with different um and new things to write and so um I have fun. 
I have a really good well, time. You know what makes makes sense to me about paranormals though is that you, um, as I was reading and stalking you on the internet, you love um, Michael Crichton and you love Dan Brown, and paranormals are very much suspense thrillers, like action thrillers, mm-hmm. romantics. Like they're very much in that genre. It's just that some people can shapeshift or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. But, <laughs> that's sort of the what if I start with. What if a mafia don was actually a shapeshifter? What if, you know, and then you apply and you just go from there. And it's a lot of fun. And the other thing I like about Paranormal, I was doing an anthology with some other writers and none of them, it was going to be a sci-fi. And they were all freaking out about sci-fi. And I said, why are you freaking out? Well, I just don't know this. I said, it's sci-fi. You just make this crap up as you go along. Yeah. They're like, they looked at me, seriously. As long as we all agree what the laws are for the planet they're on, we're good. They don't have to have any basis of reality. Yeah, that's our that's our main takeaway to all authors. Anyone who's listening, you guys, your listeners, you know, we've said it before. We'll say it again. Just don't break your own rules. I'll yes. go along with whatever nonsense you tell me, whatever, whatever. tomfoolery. I'm fucking into it. But if you break your own rules, that's when I'm going to throw the book on the floor and stomp on it. Otherwise, I'm, I'm in for the ride. Whatever yeah. you want to do, I'm, I'm down to clown. I, I do think it helps if you make it relatable. Um, and one of the things I always say is because I write paranormal, um, I try to ground ground that in reality. I, which is why I prefer paranormal to sci-fi. I tend to make it in places you can go and see. You can go and stand in the places I talk about. I use actual real hotels and real restaurants and real people can go and they can have what she had for brunch or they can go and stay in that room in the Savoy or they can, you know, they can go and they can be there and they can put their hands on it. They can touch it. Um, And I think people really enjoy that. I mean, I I do. And so I had a reader who she wrote me and she said, my husband and I, we just got married and we're trying to be adults about this. And we decided we could either go on a great honeymoon or we could buy a house. And we decided we needed to buy the house. She said, but we can take a long weekend and you sound like you really know New Orleans. And I said, I love New Orleans. It's one of my favorite cities in the world. And she said, well, then can you tell me some places we could go that like aren't on everybody's tours? And so I made her a list of things, she, that places they could go and things they could do and things I've enjoyed and some things that I didn't enjoy and told her why certain things I didn't enjoy. And um, so they were on, There's there used to be a riverboat cruise that went past the riverboat um, plantations and they would tell you all about them so she's sitting on this thing and she, she looks at this this one plantation and she's she's looking and she says to her husband that's riv de loop and he goes what and she goes that, that's riv de loop i'm sure of it and the tourist lady said the tourist guide says no well no ma'am that's the such and such foundation she goes oh I, i'm sure it is i just i'm just sure that that's i'm sure that's Proved to look the the romance writer that I like. She she and a girl from up at the other end of the boat. She stands up and she goes, "You read Tinta James?" And she went, "Yeah." And she goes, "Yes." She goes, "Well, sure." She that's the 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 gazebo. She goes, "My God, you're right." They're having this conversation, and the the tour the 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 tour just stops the boat, and she goes, "Are you sure?" She goes, "I don't know." This all my messenger. So I get this message from her. She says, "It's a salt plantation." What you based Riv Delip on? And I went, uh, yes. And she went, I'll talk to you later. And they have, this, <laughs> and so the, the tour stops the boat and has these two girls tell them the plot of the book. 
Amazing. <laughs> just kept, you know, great fun that it was, you know, they could see it. That but tour guide is going to put that in every single tour for the rest of oh, time. And this yeah. this is the plantation it. that's based off of Delta James's book. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really fun. But like I said, you can go and put your hands on it. You can touch yeah. that. You can see it. You know, I also, yeah. I also think what you just said is so important that your readers can talk to you because oh, yeah. we respond to, I mean, I try to respond to a hundred percent of messages we get. And I would say I'm in the nineties, high nineties. Like there are mm-hmm. probably a few that have slipped through there here and there, but like, I try to be really diligent because there are listeners and they want to talk to us and they want to like connect with us and they hear something we said on the podcast and it like jogs something and they want to like have a discussion or whatever. And I think that that's so like, first of all, flattering that they took time out of their days to talk to me and Shawnee about romance novels. Awesome. Um, But also it shows that they care and I want them to know that like we appreciate their time and that they listen to us because that's obviously like how we grow and, and whatnot. And I think that's so cool because a lot of authors like you'll, DM them or something like that, and and you never or they the you look at the comments under their pictures and they don't respond to anyone. Mm-mm. I have a very interactive um, uh, reader group on Facebook um, called Delta's Wayward Pack, and I hear from people that join. This is like the friendliest, coolest group, and they are. They're friendly. They're nice. Everybody gets along. People can disagree, which is fine, but it can't get personal. And there's if you start, I'm the alpha bitch, and I will bounce your ass. I'm pretty clear about that. But what has happened is then people who are there feel very, very safe to talk about things. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten into some discussions on there that I think, whoa. You know, um, but they really reach out and help each other. I have a thing about people who call the people who read their books their fans. That word, I hate it. <laughs> they're not yeah. my fans because if they're the fans that puts them here and i'm up here as the author mm. that's not how it works yeah i'm the writer they're the reader we have a symbiotic relationship if i don't write they don't have anything to read if they don't read i don't have a business it's very clear to me how important they are to me um from the get-go i have answered i answer all of my emails i answer all of my private messages uh, i'm available to people um, I just think that's important, you know, and I don't, and people say, well, I don't want to bother you. And it's like, you're not bothering me. What's going on? You know, I, I just, I think they're owed that. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I do. I think that they're owed that. And, um, mm-hmm. I work really hard to make sure they don't feel like I'm some, you know, mystic thing they can't talk to, you know, I a hundred percent like agree with you because I have, I have such a hard time saying my followers or am I whatever? Because inherently the words that we use to describe people who are exchanging with us in that way does feel like a hierarchical type of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, so when I do music, when I do a show and stuff, uh, afterwards, one, I always tell people like, you know, people always stand back from the stage. They'll leave that big gap, mm-hmm. right? And I always tell yeah. people like, hey, I'm here to energy exchange with you. We are right here. I'm going to send, I'm going to send you music and, vo- and vocals your way. And you're going to send me energy back. And it is an equal right. exchange, not like, oh, exactly. you're the performer. And I'm just here like voyeuring in this exactly. situation, you know? And then like afterwards, you you get off stage and you talk to everybody who's there because people came out to give you that exchange. And so I 100% know what you mean because I always have a hard time when it comes to like the words like followers, fans, um, whatever. We, yeah, I we're, just, ho- we're homies. <laughs> like that's yeah, it. We're, 
we're, we're just all there. We're just two sides of the same equation. Um, when I go to book conferences, um, yes, I'll be in the author, so, you know, the, the official author signing. Um, but the other thing I say to people is if you can't come, uh, you know, you might, somebody might have to work during that time or what have you, I'll be at the hotel. Come and find me. Just come and find me and, and I'll be there. I will put on my Facebook page um, down in the such and such lounge in the, in the hotel such and such. And we end up with big groups of people just sitting and having fun. It's not organized. It's, it's very organic. But because of that, it's very fun. When we went to uh, one place, we ended up with, well, Golden and Pepper North and I decided to throw just a little um, snacks and hors d'oeuvres and basically um, spiked punch. And I said I was going to get a junior suite at the hotel, so why didn't we hold it there? Oh, that's great. We'll do that. We thought, I thought we'd get maybe 40 people. <laughs> I um, can already see where this is. You said junior suite, and I was like, there's maybe people in the hallways. We thought we'd have, they'd be thought we'd be lucky if we had 20. We had people that came early and missed the organized dinner. Stayed late. I ended up ordering pizza for everybody that was in the room. Yeah. Um, and there were probably 75, 80 people. It was standing room only. We had to have the hotel bring up more chairs. Um, but people were having fun. Mm -hmm. You know, they were sitting and telling each other about each other's favorite books. And they were interacting with me and interacting with Golden and interacting with her. We just had fun. Yeah. It was just, and I probably heard from 80% of the people that were at that party, that was their favorite part of the whole conference mm -hmm. because it was so organic and comfortable and they didn't feel like anybody was judging them and nobody was trying to sell them anything. It, it just was yeah. very yeah. laid back. Yeah. You know, we just made it very laid back and just really comfortable. <sighs> and honestly, it didn't cost us much. I mean, we, we made homemade dips and we cut up the veggies ourselves. It wasn't like we catered in this lavish affair. Was just the stuff you feed your friends that come over to watch a movie. Yeah, and we had fun. It was yeah. just a lot of fun. I oh, think that's man. great because, like, you you engender that goodwill and loyalty. So every time they see your name pop up, new release, they're going to be like, "Oh my god!" And remember when we went to? Hey, everybody! I got to meet this <laughs> author. Like, it's so exciting. Um, it's, so it's, I, I think that's, first of all, I think it's smart, but also I think it speaks to you as like a person that you want to get to know them and treat them with respect. And also, I, I mean, you, you said something like you're, you have like 25,000 people on your subscriber list for your emails and stuff. Like those are big numbers for someone who isn't like a big traditionally published author who has like a big sort of marketing machine behind them. How did yeah. you, like, I know we have a lot of listeners who are authors or aspiring authors. Like, how did you go about that, that process? Um, I sometimes am very frustrating for especially aspiring authors or other authors, especially authors who started before I did and that, that I've had more success than they have. Um, mm -hmm. Part of that is luck. But part of that is I realized early on, I don't want to market. Now, I can tell you for a fact, I can sell ice cubes to an Eskimo but I don't like it. I don't want to do it. So I hired a PA from the get-go. And when we started, um, Renee Brooks is her name. And Renee, I said, I've got your fee plus $50 a month. That's all I have for a budget. And she said, I will tell you up front, $50 a month won't buy you enough ads to do anything for you, but we can build a mailing list. And so we started um, at the end of 2018 to build a newsletter list. And, and and we literally started from nothing. And we just surpassed 25,000. 
So that's pretty darn good in, in, you know, a couple of years. Um, yeah. With no, years. with no media spending, huge. that's huge. Just yeah. organic. Like and that's now, massive. Now, now, well, now I spend money on ad- advertising. I don't want to tell you what I spend on advertising, but I don't do it myself. I, I leave that to Renee. When people say, well, don't you want to know? And don't you think it's like, no, no. I want to write books. Have an understanding. Yeah. I write them, she sells them. And that's 100%. how we, that's how we run the business. Yeah. And, and the, the thing that really gets other authors is, I'm going to be in like madly in love with the cover or madly in love with the cover. He has to do is go, yeah, I can't sell that. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I, I move on. It's just that simple. She, I tell mm-hmm. people she has veto power and they're like, well, no, it's like, I said, no, it's, it's, it's a team effort. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a team effort. And my, my best friend, and she started out as my beta reader. We became best friends and um, we're both over 60 and both single and, so we were either at her place up in Maryland or my place down in North Carolina. And we finally said, well, this is stupid. Let's just buy a house together. So Yay, we I love yeah. that. But, and Chris, but Chris runs when people say, God, how can you write all day? And you get, because I don't do anything else. Chris runs the house. Chris feeds the dog. Chris goes grocery shopping. Chris does all the cooking. Chris does all I do. You know, it's like Chris runs my personal life. Renee runs my business life. I just get to sit and write. I can write 12 or 14 hours a day because I don't have anything else that I have to do. That's all I'm responsible for. Yeah. Else, you know, and so it makes it very easy for me. I'm very lucky that way. But the thing I always tell people is, honestly, I truly believe if you really want to be a prolific author and be able to focus on your writing, you need to hire somebody else to do the rest of it. And let them do their job, because I, I see I see authors who try to then micromanage their PA, and all I can mm-hmm. think is, well, if you're going to go to that level of trouble and time and effort, why are you paying somebody? Absolutely. See, I just sort of like, you know, it's like Renee used to, at first when she first started working for me, she'd say, "I need you to go here to do this, push that button," and I'd say, "Okay." And you guys saw how technologically inept I am, so you know what. I do that. And finally, I just said to her, you know what? Here's my debit card. Here's the code for it. Just do it. Yeah. Because if I'm at my day job and you need something done and I can't help you, you're stuck. So just go. And mm-hmm. like, she has a budget and she doesn't go over that. And she just, you know, but it works. But now, granted, you have to trust somebody to hand them your debit card. But it, it just works for us. And yeah. she's very, I've been able to avoid a lot of um, pitfalls and mistakes that authors make. Because Renee's been doing this a long time. And she'll say, yeah, I know, but no, you don't want to do that. And here's why. It's like, oh, okay. She was the first person to me, pick a line, stay in the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of authors don't get that. They're like, no, I want to write what I want to write. I get that. I totally get that. My, my response is take whatever it is you want to write and make it fit your lane. Yeah. Um, and I, had a, I have a good friend. And one day she said to me, I finally figured out my lane and I said, okay, what is it? And she says, it's alpha males. And I sat there and so I looked at her. Which kind? <laughs> which genre? I, said, um, I, don't, I don't know how to tell you this, but that's not a lane. It's a fucking superhighway. <laughs> and she got kind of mad at me. <laughs> but it is. But, yeah. you know, my thing is paranormal. But the, like the books I sent you guys, my syndicate masters, they're mafia, but mm-hmm. they're shifters. Right. Yeah. And there's a backstory about how they became what they are. So, um, and it's been a, a 
stupidly popular series. I started it just to write one book because I had an idea for it. And so I write, wrote the bargain and people went nuts and they were like, well, what about the others? And aren't there even like, okay, so I made a series. And then they were like, no, 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 no. You have to go, you have to do more, you have to do more, you have to do more. And so I said to Renee, what if we wrote another series that was instead of being in the UK, was up in Scandinavia. So we can tap into some Viking stuff. Yeah. And she said, sure, let's do that. And I went, okay. So we did. Um, and I, and I, but I layered that into the, the first books so that people are now like waiting for the Northern Lights to come out. Yeah. And I'm a series writer. I do better when I have a series. You know, I, mm-hmm. I have longer to tell the story. I can layer more in and I can take my readers for a longer ride. Mm-hmm. And you only have to do the world building in book one and then you just add to it. You don't have to like reestablish a new world every single time. Yeah. Yep. For sure. We always we always say that like cuz we've reviewed uh, like uh, quite a few like book ones. We try not to do series unless they're like very standalone. But we've reviewed quite mm-hmm. a few book ones and they're they're always like a little bit worse just because there's so much more information that has to be imparted. And by book two, we really find people are just like banging because they're like, we don't need to, we can dive right into the action because you know where we left off and we can just move on with couple number two who happened to be the brother or the best friend or the clanmate or whomever. And we could just go, you know, exactly. kick, it, kick it right into it. And what gets me is I'll get stuff from, from readers who go, so-and-so I want to see his story and I and I literally there are times I I see those and I look over at Chris and I go who the hell is so-and-so and she's like <laughs> well it was it's this great and she once said that to me about a character named Ava and she said well what, what about Ava's story and I went fuck is Ava and she said well she's the girl and I looked at her and I said a girl that was on Griffin's bed and had like two paragraphs and she goes yes she has a story and I'm like no, she doesn't. She goes, yes, she does. And I said, all right, tell me her story. And so she did. I was like, yeah, I can work with that. That's yeah. why I wrote that story. You know, but it's yeah. just been, I, and I do that with readers too. They'll say, well, what about this? And I'll say, they don't have a story. They'll go, yes, they do. And all right. I say, fine, tell me a story. I think I think that's so honestly brilliant. We do yes. that all the time. We, yes. I would say 90% of the books we have read on this podcast and authors we have talked to were either uh, a reader or listener who recommended it or another author in your case who was like, Hey, you should talk to this person. And why wouldn't we, yeah. why wouldn't we, if a fan, you know, if someone who's our listener is like, Hey, I want to hear you talk about this book. Why would we be like, you know what? We hear that you want this and you listen to us, but you know what? We're going to spit in your, like, what? No, we try. <laughs> I mean, we don't get to everyone's recommendations because we get like hundreds every season, but we do the ones we do pick are from that list. Yeah. Well, one of the things I do is I uh, that I use my reader group for is I will like put out a poll. What do you want to see? I'm thinking about this. What do you think about that? And the difference between me and some authors who do that is I actually listen to my readers. I had this whole idea of what I was going to do last year. I had it all planned out. And when I said to my readers, what do you want? It had nothing to do with what I wanted. And I went, okay. And I <laughs> and, and I just pivoted. And Renee and I met this weekend. We did some scheduling things. We met, uh, she lives in Florida. I live in Virginia. We met in North Carolina. So fun. Because um, she's coming up to see her kids. And But we sat for, I don't know, three hours in the bar and revamped the schedule for this year. But, you know, we were talking and she said, you know, one of your best strengths, one of your greatest strengths 
It's your ability to say, okay, this isn't working. I'm going to shut this down. We're going to go a different way. Mm -hmm. And she says, you don't get all upset and don't get all, you know, angsty. And it's just like, no, if that's not what people want to read, then it's, it's not worth it for me to write. If I really want to write it, then I can make it in a novella and I could do it as a, as a passion project or a vanity project, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to give people what they want to read. How many, how many speaking, so like speaking, you just mapped out your year. How many books do you try to release like full length, not like stories for newsletters and stuff a year? Okay. Full length novels. We, because we're trying, we've got some goals for this year um, and we're trying to level up. I have a schedule of putting out a full length novel every three weeks. <laughs> Bruh. Gonna be going, what? Have lost I can't time. I can't even get out of bed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. So yeah. it's so what does it take you? Like you're like leapfrogging the editing, I'm guessing. So like you write for a month I, I and then to... edit for a month kind of thing. No, no, what I no no what I do is I have an editor. She has the schedule. And what Renee and I did when we created the schedule. We came up with the release dates. Then Renee, who babies me and loads all my stuff for me, because again, I'm technologically inept. We don't want me doing that. So Renee loads my stuff for me. And so Renee tells me, okay, if we're putting it out here, I need it here. I know how long I need to edit. And then I say to, I, 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 I say to Lori, okay, this is when I need it back. When do you need it for me? And she says, and she goes through and fills the dates on. And that's how we create the schedule. So my editor's involved. She knows what's coming. And it's really nice because she knows me. She knows what I can do. She knows how to push me. And she's the only editor you use for all your books now? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, she does all of my books. Really, really enjoying working with her. And I'm an author who likes red ink, which sounds sort of odd. But I want my books... I want to give my readers the very best book I can. I want them to have the best product for me that they can. They're spending their hard-earned money on my stuff. I, I don't I don't want it to be, okay, I want it to be the best. I want it to be excited. I want people who are thrilled that it's coming up. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. And so any weakness, I don't care what the weakness is, I want to know what it is. And I want her to tell me that. And not to be worried that I'll get mad at her for saying that. Because I know authors that if you so much as change a comma in their book, they have a meltdown. You know, and, and What's I the think, point? Well, What's the point exactly. of an editor? I exactly. Shawnee will tell you, I am the least precious about any of my shit. Shawnee will be like, so? And I'm like, just tell me. And she's like, we need to change this. And I'm like, cool, what do you need me to say? <laughs> just tell me. I'm a little parrot. <laughs> what do you want me to say, Shawnee? I'll re-record it for you. Like, Because I, I think it's insane to ask for feedback. And I always, we always tell our friends, like, because we get asked a lot in, in video production and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, will you listen to us and tell us your thoughts? And we always say in advance, like, do you want us to be your friend? Or do you want us to give you real notes? I'm okay with that. If you want me to just be your friend and be like, yo, that was so fun. I will say, yo, that was so fun. Yeah. But if you want me to give real notes, it's going to come in a time coded line by line. And it's going to be five pages. That's the only way I know how to do it. I'm either like, mm-hmm. but I would rather have someone give me five pages. Like, tell me, tell me what I should change. Cause I'm here trying to make some good. I'm not. I mean, I, I have, I'm. And if you disagree, cool. I'll just disagree and be like, you know what? Of those 10 notes, nine are good. And one I'm pushing back and that's fine. Yeah. yeah that's me. And I, I feel like, you know, I don't think, I think you can always improve. And I think 
part of that comes from having uh, been competitive in horses and dogs. You're always looking at how you could have done better, what you could have done here, what you got. So I tend to come at it from, a, I think, sometimes a different thing. I don't really, I'm, I'm sure you've noticed, I'm not exactly an introvert and I, and I have a strong ego. But what I don't have is an ego about my writing. I don't have any vanity about my writing. I'm a good writer. Don't misunderstand me. I do think I'm a good writer. Mm-hmm. Do I think I could be better? Uh, yeah. And am I going to take help from somebody who wants to make me a better writer? Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, that's really kind of fun for her. She says, she says, you know, you're a good enough writer that I'm not having to change. Okay, you can't put two points of view in the same paragraph. She <laughs> said, that, you know, all that kind of stuff is already, you, you do that. She, so she said, for me, it's all the fun stuff. It's how to make it better. It's, it's yeah, okay, but I, as a reader, I don't know this. You may know this, but I don't. You need to tell me more here. Okay. And, you know, and so I do that. And I have a group of um, readers who I call my, my, my critical readers. They get stuff before it goes out, even to ARC readers. And I want stuff like, tell me, you know, what do you think? How do you feel? Did, I had a, a novel that I just loved. It was called Full Bodied. And it was part of the Tangled Vine series. And I sent it out to my readers. And they uniformly hated it. Not not didn't like it. I mean, hated it. Now, mind you, these women know me well enough to know that they can say, that's horrible. I hate it. And I said, well, why don't you like it? I mean, because I really love both the hero and the heroine. She cheated. I said, no, she didn't. Yes, she did. She had a one-night stand with the guy before she found out her fiance was cheating on her. Cause she got someone from the walk one night stand feeling very guilty and catches her fiance cheating with another woman. And I thought that would make it okay. No. <laughs> cheating first. And then she can have the one night stand. And so I changed it. And so I, I had other authors saying, well, I would let people to tell me to do that. And I said, you know, you don't, you don't get to tell people what they want to read. Mm-hmm. And also, if it's uniform from all the people that you trust, then clearly there's something you're missing that as a reader, they're seeing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. that's right. And I made sure that the people, the women I put in that group were different backgrounds, different. They, they don't live in the United States, so we've got people from different parts of the country. They're all different ages. They all have different life experiences. I picked a really varied group. But exactly. If all of them, and I mean 100% of them go, no. She cheated. It's like, okay. And I revamped the book. And then they loved it. I mean, yes. I think that what's the point in in all that? Like what you said, what's the point in having people who read and do and and whatever, if you're not going to actually take into consideration uh, what you're doing. And I always think that ego is something that gets in the way. Um, A lot of times for a lot of, for, for greatness, right? Sometimes you have something on the edge of, of greatness and you just got to have to let go a little bit in songwriting. We always say best idea wins, right? So you, you walk into a session with songwriters and like everybody's throwing out ideas. There's no, nothing is precious. You know, (laughs) if that line is not really fitting, if you're cramming too many words to make that hook work and somebody else has a better idea, it's like, we're like, boom, that's it. Let's keep going with that. Okay. But you know, and you come up with magic because of all that input and exactly. also exactly. because of all that life experience. So I, I, I think that's great. Okay. Not only that, no, but I, I, have, I have a lot of ideas for like romance novels and sex scenes that I've never read 
in a book ever, right? And part of me is like, that's honestly, that's what I want. I'm like, I guess I could write this book, but I don't want to. Could I just write a letter and be like, hey, can you make this sex scene scenario happen in a book? Here you go. Here's a a voice note that I've recorded. (laughs) I like this a lot. I, that's, I, yeah, when I first started, I would hear romance authors say, oh, sex scenes, I hate them, they're so hard. Well, after, I think we've written 70 books, 75 books, something like that, I understand what they're saying now. It's like, how do I make something interesting, new and fresh and different and, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and make it engaging and make it something I want to read. And um, I work really hard for that. And I'm, I'm not... I'm I'm a kind of a weird odd duck. A lot of pantsers write scenes and then they string them together and that's how they create their novel. Um, as opposed to plotters who write out a plot and then they write from me. I'm a hybrid because I don't write scenes. I don't connect them together. I don't skip scenes. If I'm having trouble with scene, I don't just say, oh, well, I'll come back to that and put a marker, you know, insert sex scene or insert whatever scene no i write from point a to point z all the way through but i don't have a plot but i write all the way through and i allow it to grow and like i said earlier i've had stuff that i thought i was writing one thing and it just turned it you know went off the other direction i was like sort of like yeah come back come back and they're like (laughs) no and i'm like okay and then i run after them you know but it's okay. I mean, it works. It's worked so far. Yeah. Um, but if I have people who continually say, what about so-and-so? What about so-and-so? I had, I have a couple from the Mercenary Master Series. Peter gave a guy named Sully, and she's this um, forger. But they both turn up in all the books. And people kept saying, Nina and Sully. We need Nina and Sully. And I was like, yes, I agree. They'd make a great couple. They'd make an interesting couple because he's a real straight shooter. And she makes her living forging documents. I mean, she's got, you know, Interpol's after her. And she just sort of doesn't care. Um, and so finally I was doing an anthology and it was on a cruise ship. And I suddenly thought, okay, what if Nina was on a cruise ship to hand off some forged documents and Sully was there and decides to save her from herself? So. And so I did. I ended up writing Nina. And when I put on the thing, all right, all you Nina Sully shippers, your your book is coming. It's not a full-length novel, but it's coming. And you guys will have fun with it. They were thrilled. I mean, I don't, I can't tell you how many responses I had to that. Um, one of the other things I did that people, my, even Renee sort of shook her head at, my sister, I have an older sister. When I said to her, I'm writing erotic romance novels, she disowned me. She absolutely disowned me. And in fact, her first words were, mom and dad would be so ashamed of you because my parents are dead. And I remember thinking, how could we have been raised in the same house with the same parents? Because no, they wouldn't have. Now, my mother would have been reading them going, but my dad would have been at every conference going, yeah, that's my kid. He's had every cover up on the walls. I'm telling you, you know, he loved it. Um, because mainly because I was doing something I wanted to do and I was happy doing, um, but you know, so it's a lot of fun when you get to do that. And I have all these recipes from my mom and my grandmothers. And I realized earlier this year or late last year, 
I have no one to hand those down to. None. So I put a recipe in my newsletter. And Renee was sort of like, and I went, no, it'll just be fun. I'll just do it. You know, she said, okay. And I was swamped with emails and private messages. Oh my God, my family really loved this. It was so good, blah, blah, blah. Are you going to do more? So now at least once a month, we do a recipe in the newsletter. And in a book that's coming up, the heroine is, is a baker. And um, so in the in the book, there's going to be a recipe that's been in my family. And it's always been like the secret family recipe. We don't share it. But if I don't give it to people, the recipe dies. Mm. And it's a really good recipe. Mm. So I'm going to put it out there. You know, but part of it, and now Renee is like, no, we got to do this because this, you know, your, your readers really like this. Um, every time I put a recipe, people will will write me and tell me how it came out, or they'll send me pictures, and and it's just really fun and and really. And I have one that's for an apple cake, and and I say now here's the disclaimer: it looks the batter looks gross. I mean, it just is ugly and gross, and it tastes worse as batter. It's disgusting, but it's really good once you make it, and. <laughs> I had so many people said, I'm so glad you put that disclaimer in because if I'd seen that batter and you hadn't said that, I thought, oh my God, I must have done something wrong. <laughs> it's like, no, it's really ugly batter. Um, and it is. I mean, it's just ugly batter. And it tastes disgusting. I mean, it's really just gross, but it's delicious once it's baked. And so that was a lot of fun for readers. And I had a, a woman who said, I put in some no-bake cookies because they're easy and fast. You can do them in an evening. You know, it doesn't take long. Um, and she said, I've never made cookies for my kids. My kids are, are like 10 and 12, and I've never, they've only had store-bought cookies. They've never had homemade cookies. And when I look at like making chocolate chip or doing this, she said, I just get overwhelmed. And she said, and you made this sound so easy, so I'm going to try it. I'll let you know what happens. <laughs> and she sent me a picture of her and her kids eating the cookies, having a great time. And she said, this was so much fun. But it, and, and so that was how I was taught to cook. That it has to be fun and it has to be accessible and you have to do, you know. Um, and so we just go with that. Um, but yeah. is that romance? I don't know. Some people say food's a language of love. But, you know, it, it's fun. And I, I'll, I'll, like, mention something somebody cooks in a book and I'll get invariably, do you have a recipe for that? Because it sounded really good. Yes, as a matter of fact, I do. So I send people recipes. So it's, it's all, um, I don't cook fancy. I don't cook, you know, extravagant. Um, but I cook really tasty and fairly easy to make. And so yeah. it's getting to share that with my readers. Um, so, yeah. That, uh, first off, I, I love everything that you just shared about that. Cause it, it hits so many, it's hit so many of these different things. I went to see my, well, one, I, I thought recently, like I've been on this thing about generational wealth in my family, right? So making investments, I've been very aggressive about mm -hmm. learning about investments, financial literacy, all this kind of stuff. Um, but I don't actually plan on having children. And so I'm like, I remember like thinking like, oh, I need to come up with a will so that you know people are not in, in charge of my mm -hmm. assets when I, when I pass. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I don't know who to leave anything to. Like I, like, <laughs> you know my children <laughs> <laughs> but like in my mind i want whoever i leave it to to have financial literacy to be able to continue the assets and continue growing right and i realized that there right. was no one in my trajectory who could do that or i had felt comfortable doing that with so i was like okay i can't die until i teach all these kids how to work how to work this money <laughs> right 
Yeah, it was a, it was a very real, uh, very real thought. And another thing you said that I think was very interesting is that you were talking about how your sister disowned you in the process of you, you know, deciding like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to write these erotic books. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting because when I was a kid, I was super demonized and actually like seen as fast and slutty because I would read these books, right? That was, that was my narrative mm-hmm. growing up. Like on the flip side of that, I was probably the slowest kid out of all of the kids. <laughs> I was actually <laughs> the slowest kid <laughs> to the finish line. You know what I mean? And, uh, and so I always kind of make this joke to my mom. Now, when we started doing this podcast, I was like, one day I'm going to pay your bills from these smutty, smutty books, you know? <laughs> And she and she's like, that's okay, go for it. Like, I'm okay with that now, you know. But but having like, you know, experiencing not having that support and 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 whatnot is has kind of been like a theme. And most authors, when they come on here, they're like, oh no, like my family actually was very supportive. So you're one of the first people that's actively saying like, no, they're not, you know, supportive of this. And she literally just disowned me. There's something like fundamental, like in the back of my brain when I think about. When I think about this, right, I went to see my cousin yesterday and she said to me, you know, she, she was talking to her daughter about sharing and about like sharing food and about, you know, and she was saying how like I gave my daughter $20 to go buy herself some food. My daughter came back with that food and I asked for some and she said no. And she's like, I'm so hurt by this. And I said to her, I said, I want you to explore the fact that you're triggered because you were never allowed to say no. You were never allowed to do the thing that your your daughter's bold right now. This is boldness and you want this for her, but it doesn't feel good because it hits that trigger, you know? And sometimes when I think about my oldest sister, I don't know if this is your oldest sister, or younger sister, or where she's, yeah. but it feels oldest sister to me, right? Your oldest sister was never probably allowed to say no, was never allowed to have her dreams or boundaries. The oldest get put on them something different than the youngest do, right? The youngest get to be free. <laughs> we get to do shit that the oldest doesn't. And so in living your truth, it can be so extremely triggering to the people who were not allowed to live theirs, you know? And so it's, it, it, I find that incredibly fascinating when you talk about it. I, I do. I mean, I, I, I don't get it. it. It sort of shocked me. And she got very snooty with me. And, very, and so I have this friend, very close friend, we've been friends for over 30 years, um, and she is a fundamentalist Christian. And I will tell you that she lives her faith. I mean, she's not somebody who says one thing and does another. She lives what she says she believes. I have always had the utmost respect for him. We have vastly different political beliefs, vastly different religious beliefs, but it's never been a problem between us, ever, because we've always been able to talk about anything. And so I hadn't told her and I was starting to have quite a bit of success. And I thought, I I just feel like I'm not being honest with her. She's supposed to be my friend. And yet I'm I'm keeping this big part of my life away from her. That doesn't doesn't feel real or honest to me. So I finally, and my sister at that point had disowned me. And and I finally said to her, I said, oh, I'm, I'm I'm, I'm actually writing books. And she said, what are you writing? I said, well, I'm writing erotic romance novels. And she goes, and they're being polite. I said, yeah. And she goes, your parents would be so proud. And I said, yeah, my sister thinks they'd be, uh, they'd be appalled. And she goes, she goes, yeah, I never did think your sister understood your parents. But yeah, your parents would be so proud. She said, I knew your parents. I knew your parents. They'd be thrilled. Um, and they would. I mean, they just, they wouldn't care really what it was. Mm-hmm. Just that I had finally decided to pursue a dream. And be happy. That I told and myself. Loving it and you're yeah. successful. Like, 
It's like literally every parent's dream is that their kid finds something that they love to do, that they're good at, and that they can make a living from. I mean, that's like the fucking trifecta exactly. right there. <laughs> exactly. And and it's it's really interesting when I go places, it's still, you you guys were talking about, you know, when you talk to somebody and they want your autograph, or they want, that still blows me away. I'm just like, mm-hmm. you serious, right? And I laugh. I mean, I don't, I don't always know how to handle that. And I get recognized. I will not anymore leave the house. Unless my hair and makeup is done. I, and that may sound vain and it may sound a lot of things, but I just feel like if somebody recognizes me and wants to talk to me, I don't want to look like a schlump. I just <laughs> you know what I you, you know what I would suggest? Because I, I've actually thought about this before, right? So every interaction is an exchange of energy. And they walk up to you excited. There's an exchange happening here, right? And and mm-hmm. one of the things that's like part of my culture is that when you you think about every person you meet, you leave a little piece of yourself and they leave a little piece of themselves. And that happens whether, whether you like it or not. Right. So you can leave a good piece of yourself. Yeah. You can leave a not so good yeah. piece of yourself. There's always, and I always thought about this, like there's been a handful. Okay. Handful of times people have asked me to sign something for them. And I, and I go, okay, but only if you sign something for me, right? <laughs> like I'll sign something for you. You signed something for me, you know? And so one day when, if and when it becomes prevalent, I'm just going to carry a notebook around that's like, like, okay, I'll sign this for you, but you have to sign this for me. Because I feel like that's, no, there's something about that exchange. Like, Shani's going to have like a guest book at, at a convention that we do. Yes. Here's the guest book. When you get in line, sign your name if you want our signatures. Yes. <laughs> you have to sign your name and, and write, a, don't write a note you, or anything. You I don't like have that, that kind of time always, though. A lot of times it's like a short, you know. No, I know, but when but it's you don't... time for people, you know? And like when I go to a convention, you'll see a lot of the conventions like, no, you can't bring a book that you already own. I'm like, yeah, you can Bring your book. I don't care if you bought it directly for me. You bought the book. If you yeah. want to sign, I'm happy to sign your book. I have people who are never going to get into a convention, but really want my signature. And this guy was saying, mm-hmm. I just wish someday. And I said, how many books do you have? And she told me, and I said, give me your address. I'll, I'll, I'll do some book place for you. And you can take them off and put them in your thing. She's like, well, what would that cost me? And I said, uh, nothing. Nothing. Cost me 50. She's yeah. like, I mean, to me, that's just like, if mm-hmm. that's, that seems like such a little thing to do to make mm-hmm. somebody feel special and, and mm-hmm. happy. You know, I was, um, when we had our youngest puppy is a, she's now 18 months, um, that's a girl who's named after, all the dogs have characters named after them. And she is named after Skylar, my first big heroine. And I was, we went up to um, Lowe's like at eight o'clock on a, on a Saturday morning. And Chris was like, just, I don't want to go through the hair, makeup, bullshit. Just get in the car and we're going to go. Okay. She said, no, who's going to be there? Nobody. Nobody's going to be there. I went, okay. So it's Kyler in the basket. And then we're, we've got her so she can be socialized. And she's a basset hound puppy. They're adorable. People come up to you. And they're, oh, that's so cute. And this lady comes, she says, oh, she's so cute. Like, What's her name? And I said, her name's Kyler. And she goes, she was, my first has, oh my god, you're James. <laughs> and all I can think is, I'm going to kill Chris. I'm going to kill her now. <laughs> but, but we had the most wonderful interchange. And I've had people that I had interchanges with, like uh, at the nail salon or at uh, a restaurant, go and get somebody and bring them to me. This is the author that I love so much. She's so cool. You know, and I just think with 
with me, I think people, I'm, I'm approachable. You know, if you, you want to come talk to me, you can. When I'm at a book convention, uh, you you know, if you if you don't have a price to go and ticket, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. I understand that. We all have to make priorities. And so if you want me to sign a book you already own, I'm going to do that for you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to charge you. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. I'm just going to help. I'm just going to do it. I just think it's a small kindness for people. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing small kindnesses for people. I think, I think it's wonderful. What conventions are your like, like what's the convention that's the one that now that they're starting up again, that you're like, Ooh, I'm excited that one's happening again, or that I, you're looking forward to. Um, well, we were going to go, I was really excited about one that's going to be in England this year. Mm-hmm. And we decided not to go this year, but in 2024, there's one in Blackpool, England and Blackpool happens to be where Chris grew up. Oh, so nice. It's, it's like going back. And I love, I love the UK. So we're going to go and plan and spend some time there. Um, and we just decided there were too many things going on that getting the time to do what we wanted to do just wasn't there. Um, so I decided this year I was taking all, I just, I'm not going to any of them. Um, I really loved what used to be uh, Delightfully Dirty in Dallas. And I think Cheryl's calling it something different. going to hold it in Colorado next year. So we'll go to that one. Um, there's just different ones. I never got to go to Shameless. I understand that was a lot of fun. But I just want to go where there are people who are all dedicated to take care of readers. Um, I went to a one woman's convention where it was all about her and her friends and their books. And the rest of us could go to hell as far as she was concerned. And she treated the readers even worse. Mm-hmm. And she got really angry with me when I had readers approach me like in the common areas and say, now, could you sign my book? And I'm like, sure. And she's like, you need to make them come in and do, come to your table. I was like, um, no, actually I don't. You know, you don't, I said, you know, you're not my boss. I bought a table from you. Um, and that's all we did. It was a transaction and we've done that. And I will show up and be at your signing and I'll be nice to people and all that. But you don't get to tell me what I get to do with my readers. And one of the things I do with readers is I made two tokens. They're about this big around. And all they say on them is Delta James. And I hide them somewhere in the hotel. I put them two different places. And I tell you, there's two of them. They're hidden. Well, what do we do with them? You find it and you bring it to me at the signing. And you can pick any book you want. And people were like, no, you you sell them, you, you know, you give them a book that doesn't sell as well. It's like, no, I give them a book that they want to read or that, yeah. that they've read and mean something to them. So no, I'm not gonna pick their book for them. They can pick any book on my backlist. I don't care what it is. And that's the book they get. Yeah, because awesome. that's important me also that's so fun because a lot of times at conventions there's so much downtime like in between the events and stuff and to like be having a cocktail and be on the hunt with your friend that you came with for like a token randomly and like that would entertain me in between the stuff the other thing i did was um i had buttons made and i leave them up with the the front desk and then i have them out different places but my thing is that a lot of readers can be shy and be worried about they're going to be the only person there and they're not going to know anybody and then they're going to feel left out and this is going to be really anxiety producing and all this. And so I had the, you know, the first one I did was in Dallas. And so I, the button said Delta does Dallas. And I had these things and I said, get a button, 
put it on, put it somewhere on you. That way, if there's somebody there who's worried about being there and they see you with the button, they'll know that you read me. They know they have somebody to talk to. Let's be there for each other. And the first night, the front desk called up and said, um, you got any more of those buttons? Because like we're out. And it's like, uh, sure, we'll bring, we'll bring them right down. So we did. And they just thought that was wild, that we would give out. And they're like, because like they were like, well, we can't do that. I said, no, no, no. You don't have to charge any board money for them. Just get them up here. And if somebody says, can I have one of those buttons? Say, of course you can. That's all we need to do. You just need to give me like this much space to put a basket with the buttons in it. That's it. They're like, oh, okay, you're not like selling. I said, not selling. I'm not doing anything like that. I said, everyone, then when you tell them what the button is actually for, people are like, oh, that's a really cool idea. But it allows people to go, oh, you read Delta. And they can, they can go find somebody to sit with and have I a coffee. Or they can I can tell you right now, I'm going to steal that idea. I just want you in advance to know if you go to a convention cool. with us and you see little romance at a glance, rag hag buttons, we stole it. Everyone, dear listeners, you heard it here first. We will be stealing that idea. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's fun. And it, 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 it breaks that ice, the awkward ice. Absolutely. Also, I think it's awesome. Okay. Like, Shawnee, I'm going to let you ask one more question. I'm going to let you ask one more question because I know you guys have one more question. It's, 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 it's a you're going to have to come back is what's yeah. going to have to happen. We're going to have to do part due because yes. we could talk to you for the next 10 hours. <laughs> Anytime you want me, I can do That's that. That's what we want you. And honest to God, if you have somebody cancel, it, you have somebody cancel, it's like, oh, crap, they just canceled. We got a half an hour. I'll I'll send you my phone number. Call me on the phone and say, "I need to make up. We need to on the podcast. We'll do it." I love these kind of things, so yeah. that's great. Okay, uh, okay. So, Last question, or maybe two. I'll give you one, and if uh, maybe two, Shawnee. Mine is a, a slight bit more <laughs> of like a soapbox, so I'm uh, I'll make it quick, and then I'll pass it on to you. So what what you're explaining to me, uh, Delta, what I'm like, what I'm hearing, and kind of a takeaway from what you're talking about about conventions, right? One. Bridget knows I hate conventions. I don't like that much amount of people. It's an energy. It's an energy drain to the ten thousandth power for me. Let's learn to feed off of. And I no, went, she, I feed off of it. She has to I, conserve her energy and hide in the closet afterwards. Yes, <laughs> I just yes. keep on. Bridget, we we are. <laughs> Renee always says the conventions for me are like crack cocaine. Yeah, me too. I'm like me higher too. than a kite. Yeah, so, two <laughs> days after I'm like the biggest crash, and I like can't move, and I'm like. Like I just need to eat only sugar, and like watch only TV. It is. It. I went to. I, I went to what? I, I think I've only been to like one convention in my life, and I did it for this podcast, right? And afterwards, I was in Bridget. I was like, I. I don't know if I can do this again. Also, yeah. the entire time they were like, "Oh, we're gonna have this amazing free breakfast of the last day. Are you coming? Are you coming?" When I got there, it was the host selling their five thousand dollar master course, like thing, and I was like why like why am I here right now you know mm-hmm. but one of the things that I have been exploring and and our Juneteenth celebration last year I did this was I created a sensory safe space um, for people who wanted to be a part of the massive you know festival that was but like if you have some sort of issue right it's like specifically like autism and you want to go to that event but there's no safe space for you once you get there to be able mm-hmm. to decompress if you get overwhelmed, to go somewhere to have a meltdown, to be, you know, whatever. So I created a space that was like that. And I think people forget when we talk about conventions and stuff like that, that there's an ableist ability, like there's an ableism in just the fact that you're able to go to the event, right? 
So if when we reimagine some of these events and how we interact with people, having people line up to get your autograph is not always conducive for everybody to be able to do that. No. So, oh no. Some people just, so. yeah. So offering options like that or somebody being able to come to you, you know, and I've never had someone aggressively approach me to, for something. They'll be like, could you like, please, um, is that, you know, they know they're, <laughs> you know, um, and I, I just, I enjoy that. I enjoy the fact that people are able to approach you in a way that is also safe for them as well. And that you are open to that because I think that's something that we should, that we need to embrace more is thinking about different ways to accommodate people. I, I absolutely agree. And I, I put out, like I said, when we're at a thing, I'll say, you know, Chris and I are in the, the lounge on the third floor, or Chris and I are down having breakfast, come join us, or Chris and I are doing this, or Chris and I are doing that work. And I will spend a lot of time down in the common area, in the lobby, so that people can come up and they can walk up. And I've had people go, you know, my favorite time at the whole conference was when we were all down in the lobby with you and just sitting and having the fun, you know. Um, and I think, okay, for somebody like me, going to a convention is fun and it's I get really high and all that kind of thing. But I am not unaware of the fact that that is not the experience for, I would even say, the vast majority of people. And so I want them to have a good experience too. And if that means they say, you know, I'm here, I'm down in the lobby, you know, cause I live in the city. I'd really like, it's like, what do you want? I, I can bring it to you. You can do this. Let me come see you, you know? And a lot of times we end up having coffee with them or having, having a drink or having a diet Coke or having this or having that, but just kind of sitting and being and talking to them. And like you said, letting them have, Letting them be involved as much as they can be and have a safe space so that they too have a good experience. That they don't leave going, okay, that was, I'm never doing that again. That was just, that was beyond me. And I do get that that's the case for some people. It isn't for me, but I don't think my way is right and somebody else's way is wrong. It's just, it, it's just different. It's just who we are. Yeah. Um, and so I'm all about creating those safe places. Like you say, I've always thought I wanted to be making enough money that I could go to a convention and rent a ballroom. And in that ballroom, I want to just have coffee and, you know, pastries and stuff in the morning and cookies in the afternoon. But people can just go in and sit down and take a breath. And a lot of conventions aren't planned well and so you'll have an event here and an event here and an event here and there are these down these dead times where there's nothing going on but you don't really have time to go get a meal you don't really have time to go back to your room you don't really how about if there's a place that people could just go in and put their what they've bought down or they could just i mean it's a book convention how about a reading room you know what i'm saying like i just bought this book that's signed and now, like, I need an hour to just read it and decompress on some comfy armchairs with some, like you said, I always need a cookie, maybe some coffee for the coffee drinkers, wine for the wine drinkers, tea for the tea drinkers. I just, that's, that's a great idea. idea of a good that's a great idea yeah. because because most of us read to disassociate to to step out of yeah. reality when yeah. we're over when we're overwhelmed and do so. like do like it's a little bit dark but some lamps you know so it's a little bit yeah. sen- like exactly. it's not so convention bright guys we stumbled yeah. upon something here I'm liking where this is going convention bright is uh, such uh, a, a uh, term uh, would you ever would you ever host your own like convention or your own event or something we, like that. Yeah, we've actually been talking about doing that um, and doing much smaller venues, not having 
you know, Huge, 40 yeah. authors, but having two or three, mm-hmm. or maybe just me, or maybe, but have it in a much smaller venue mm-hmm. and just not a whole day. And for me, it's not about selling tickets. It's about just having people come and be able to, yeah. to meet authors and, and to greet them. Because what I hear over and over is, this is so great. You know, this is, I really enjoyed meeting you. I really enjoyed you talking to me. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. Or I saw you on a podcast or I saw you this, I saw you that. Um, and I, I share a lot with um, my readers in my Facebook group and in my newsletter about my writing process, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, I, I told them about, you know, and, and then the character went that way. And I just kind of went, um, mm-hmm. no, and, you know, there's the heroes. The heroines tend to be easier to get along with. <laughs> and it's okay. But it's, but they have fun knowing yeah. that. But somebody said, she said, I say this in the best way possible. You're crazy. And I said, oh, absolutely. I mean, I am absolutely nuts. And I enjoy that. We, we were talking about instead of an author retreat, like a reader retreat, you know, it's like, exactly. like, I think that would be so much fun to just go and be able to read and maybe have a structured reading group. I had a, a group of women who were all, all worked in the air department and they were big readers of mine and they would get, they would get the book on Thursdays when they came out. And then on Sundays, they would all meet for brunch Love together it. and talk so about fun. the book. And so I was going to literally be driving by their town on a Sunday when a book had come out. And I thought, so I wrote one of them. And I said, so where are you going to be like? And I was very serious. And when I walked and I said, the manager, there's a group of women here for romance. He goes, yes, they're, they're, it's a private meeting. I said, yeah. I'm the author they're reading. And he goes, no shit. And I'm like, and he says, do they know you're coming? And I said, no, I just decided to crash the party. And he said, cool. And so he showed me in and they went, they just went bananas. And it was like me and seven readers. And I was there for four hours. Just having so fun. I mean, we just sat and had, yeah, it was, it was so much fun. But again, you know, when he said they're sexy, when I say to you, to me because trust me i i get the best ideas from readers people will say well what about this or i want to see that i i have a reader that she's become a good friend and she said i want to see one of these women make him work for it i mean i want him to work yes i can do that yes Yes. and and riley was born and she's this irish wolf shifter and she's badass and she she literally leads this guy on a you know they, he catches up with her and then she gets away from him again she leads him on this wacky kind of adventure and in the end he ends up helping her he knows that she's going into a dangerous situation he knows that she doesn't want his help so he sets himself up with a sniper rifle so that if she gets into trouble and take out somebody trying to hurt her. He doesn't go and say anything to her. He doesn't go, he just goes and does it. And then when she doesn't need his help, she he just backs off. And love you know, it. and people and people love Cameron for that. They're the thing about Cameron is when they meet Cameron, he's kind of this hard ass. And I had women going, writing me, I hate Cameron. I hate this guy. He's awful. And I'd say, Where are you in the book? Right here. And I'd say, Give it five pages. <laughs> Give it five pages and let me know what you think. Five okay. pages later, okay, I really love him. I said, yes, thank you very much. Yeah. I, 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 I applaud so, that. 
I applaud that because I get so angry. First of all, I used a lot of times you'll start off with the characters making them work for it. And very quickly it's like, oh, I like this guy. And then they stop making him work for it. And you're like, why? Or they get together and then that the person totally changes and they're not the firecracker that they were at the beginning of the book. And you're like, wait, what? Like, what's happening here? Why did this take this turn? You know, I like, I like that work for it from the beginning to the end. I like, you know, and so I love that. I'm like, yes. What book is that called? What's the name of that one again? What? <laughs> like- <laughs> I mean, I think it's really, it's really fun. And I think a lot of times, you know, I said at the beginning of the podcast, I love, I, I'm an entertainer. That's what I do. I entertain. Da, 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 da. And then I get letters and emails and stuff from people who say, your book changed my life. And I'm thinking, seriously? <laughs> it's changed your life. And what it is, is they found something in that character that they either aspired to be or that they could recognize or that they felt part of their story. And I get these letters that literally I sit and and they're so moving that I cry. And they're they're just, I'm so humbled that that I could do that for somebody, that that they found something of worth that made their lives better. Um, I had one gal who her father died and her husband left her for another woman and her kid got arrested. And I mean, she had had the year from hell. And she said, every time I turn around, I make the wrong decision. And she said, so finally, I just decided every time something came up, I said to myself, what would Skylar do? Hmm. And that's what I did. And she goes, and it turned my whole life around. And I said, I said, it's really flattering. It really makes me feel really good. But you do know that was just you giving yourself permission to tap into your own power, right? I mean, you do get that. The, the, the Skylar is just really you. And she's like, no, no. I'm like, <laughs> okay, but yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, but that I could have a character that could do that for somebody, it's mind-boggling. It's just mind-boggling. Well, I think that it makes complete sense based on everything you've said and how much you give to readers and how much care you put into your and time you put into, you know, creating all these characters and worlds and books. Delta James. I would love to keep talking for another hour, but we got to, we got to wrap this shit up. Part one, you guys, it's going to happen again. Yes. Delta and your listeners until next time, may your books be your lover and your hand, your best friend. Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.